to motorcycles and misfits. Usually we're here at the Recycle Garage, but this is a good episode. Actually, this is such a good episode. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be a two-parter because we went to the AIM Expo in Vegas. So We, We called it jackpot episode. Oh, man. Was it? Welcome to the Motorcycles and Misses podcast from Las Vegas. <laughs> Vaguely Las Vegas. Vaguely. <laughs> oh, um, I'm just going to start off by saying what a great weekend. Yeah, it was a really great weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was all funned out halfway through it, man. <laughs> Lord knocks ass out. So no, the photometer was full. Yeah. yeah. No, it's funny. We say that a lot. Typically, anytime we go out of town and we come back, we say, that was a really good weekend. This really did top. It top, I think it did. I had the meat sweats for like a day and a half. <laughs> That's buffet buffetitis. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, so, um, but it started yeah. with I thought it was a good call. Um, <clears throat> originally, I was looking about flying out there, but then I said, you know what? Let's ride. Mm-hmm. It's Heck about yeah. ten hours. I kept it gangsta, son. Mm-hmm. So we do. It's about ten hours. So we split it up a little bit Wednesday night, a little bit. Uh, Thursday morning, and and Jim, you did the the late night haul to catch up with us. Yeah, I did the late night. Uh, You're a wild man. The late night coke grind. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I, well, I had a late night. I had to work late. Long story short, got on the the road like around nine. Next thing I know, I'm hauling ass down the five in the middle of the night. And we all know how great motorcycle lights are. And uh, <laughs> what time did you get to our hotel? Dude, uh, I cuddled up with you about one forty-five in the morning. Shit. So yeah, it was some lonely riding on the five. I mean, it was cool. It was dark and it was windy. Yeah. Um, but you realize, you know, when you're going down the five, and you know, there's stretches where you could probably see, I'd guess, a mile. You could see <clears throat> truck lights ahead of you a mile, right? And it's open road mm-hmm. in between there. And um, so you kind of, you know, roll on the throttle a little bit. But you realize when you're going like 90 in the dark that you got no chance. You're not seeing shit. Because yeah. by the time you see that paint <laughs> yeah. in the road, you're like, hey, look, white paint. There it goes. Yeah. And you're like, if that was a car or Did a coyote. Oh, yeah. 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 And okay. I, a lot of times I was like, fuck cars coming the other way. I can't yeah. see. And especially over anyways. Pacheco Pass because yeah. it was windy and dark. And if you know Pacheco Pass, it's it's interesting. But no, it was cool. I got in, check out, you know, and you guys were asleep. Got in about 145. Mm. Did you use those heated grips? No. <laughs> you know, I, I don't put those on till the day of the dead ride, which is coming up. That, that's when I put the heated grips on. But I did pop a couple of uh, hand warmers and throw them down my coat because, yeah. yeah, it was a little chilly, man. One thing that I love riding about, uh, that I love about riding in California is the smells. And right away when we were <laughs> starting off and going through like um, Watsonville, man. you can smell the strawberries. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. Oh, that was so nice. That's a highlight. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, then then as we get further down towards Harris Ranch, then mm-hmm. you can smell the, the you smell the ranch cattle yards, mm-hmm. cattle into the gas and oil industry. And I just have to say, I came up uh, by accident with a good solution for that. When you're gonna have to go buy the big stink, I put some um, lip balm on that had a like a like a menthol thing, and then I pulled my buff up over my face just to keep warm, but. All I could smell was my lips. <laughs> Didn't burn your eyes? Smelling no, but I do love it. And then um, the next day, we we all three took off to head for Vegas. And, you know, you're going through a lot of desert. So, yeah, just yeah. clarifying, we stopped off, uh, where is it? Bakersfield. Bakersfield, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you, you head into the desert. And it's like, when is Nevada? Yeah, when is Nevada? You yeah. realize how long yeah. California is. And you're seeing Joshua trees and yeah. and old burnt out buildings. And it actually, we saw a building ah, still on fire. On fire, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, down through Barstow in that area. Yeah. It's actually very historic. Oh, and, I love that part of the And country. the airplane graveyard. Yeah. 
I love seeing that. Did you see the solar death ray towers? Yes. Dude. Those things are awesome. Yeah, it's a yeah. solar farm with these giant towers that um, focus the beam onto all of the uh, solar panels. Well, no, no, no. What it is, it's, it's an array of mirrors that focus the light beam onto the tower. And what's inside the tower <laughs> ah, is right. molten sodium or some kind of salt and they uh, heat, heat up uh, for steam. Oh, okay. So yeah. it's the other way. Yeah. So crazy. It's, it's just, just the brightest light you've ever. It looks like somebody's welding in the desert. In the middle yeah. of the desert. <laughs> it, it looks unreal. It the looks de the desert's cool because off in the distance, all you see is weird secret shit. Mm -hmm. Just what is that giant building over there mm -hmm. with no driveway to it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I know. And then some giant military plane will come out from behind mil like mountains or something. <laughs> You're like, any anyway. Yeah. But then you finally, you start to feel like, you know, it's getting closer. You know, it's getting closer. And you literally come around a corner and I saw it there first. It is. I didn't even see the Welcome to Vegas sign. I, it was, was, it's not as dramatic as I thought it would be. It was right before uh, Nevada or whatever. Right before Mandalay Bay. We, there's Where's one it? on each end. We passed it. Shit. Like on most of our test rides. Huh. We were on the freeway, not. Yeah, yeah, okay. When we came in, but yeah, so we went to Mandalay Bay, which was hosting the AIM Expo. For those who don't know, the AIM Expo is an industry, uh, basically convention, um, a lot like the, um, the now what is it the the Progressive Motorcycle the MIC or it, MIC it is? Yeah. yeah, International Motorcycle Show IMS. It's kind of like that, but on steroids. And whereas the IMS has been getting smaller and smaller every year, I think the AIM Expo is getting bigger. So you've got all the, well, not all the industry people. Not everyone was there. Ducati wasn't there. BMW wasn't there. None of the European bikes were there, I don't think. So, uh, yeah, I did not see any European marquees over there. But you had all of the things, just all of the things. Benelli. Was all Benelli? the accessories. You have the bikes. SSR Benelli, yeah. Um, and a, it's catering more and actually, the first two days were for media and industry. Yeah, I mean, if you have a convention or a trade show, you've, it, it, it's similar to whatever industry you're in. Basically, it's a big, huge convention center that's attached to the to the casino hotel. And when you go in, it's just huge, and there's and it's awesome. It's like there's motorcycle shit everywhere. There was uh, almost 200 booths, I want to say, about 200 booths. Yeah, you know, most of the major manufacturers were, rep were represented, and they had the bigger booths. You know, when you first walk in, it's Indian and Harley, which was great. Yeah. Um, and then you filter back through, you know, Yamaha, Honda, you know, Suzuki back in the corner. But they I'm, all had big presence there. I'm curious to know how much Harley paid for that booth. It's like the first fucking thing you see. Well, no. Like, Senna was the first thing you well, fucking the, see. Well, you, 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 you yes. left, left <laughs> to right going in. You're like, Harley. Okay, mm -hmm. Senna. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Anyways, it's, yeah. It's um, there were, I mean, spendy. it was, wasn't until like the third day that I was discovering stuff like corners that I hadn't been to yet. Yeah, right. Well, how long did it take us to find Vance and Leather Leathers? <laughs> you know. know, I'm like, wait, it was here somewhere. Where did it go? <laughs> I know. So that's when we went there. Um, and one of the highlights, too, was that they were doing test rides. They had a lot of different companies doing test rides. Who all was doing it? Do you guys know? Harley, Indian, Kawasaki, Yamaha, uh, I think uh, Polaris. Oh, the, Honda. the SMS? Benelli? No, uh, Benelli, S those, SRS. Yeah. SRS, SRS. <clears throat> and uh, the people that make the, uh, the Can-Am, Bombardier. Oh, yeah. Oh, and the other one. I know the sleek oh, one, the James Bond yeah, three-wheeler. Shit. I forgot the name. New Hall? No. Not something like no, that. No, it's something like that. Something like that. I Ven, 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 Ven Hall. Ven. Ven. <laughs> it had Whatever three, it was, they had three wheels, so we were like, fuck that thing. You were like, we're not going to invest that much time in something with three wheels. Yeah. 
Yeah, it looked expensive though. That's what I'm saying. It, anyway. Yeah, it was it was a, a very interesting open cockpit three wheeler mm-hmm. um, car. What was funny though? We first get there. What's that three wheeled thing called? The slingshot. The slingshot. Yeah, yeah we get there. We're like, oh, okay. We're we're riding up on our bikes. We finally get there, and we're going into the garage where we're gonna can bike the park the bikes for free. And all you see is smoke and we're peeling out and shit. And the <laughs> only thing that thing did all weekend. It may as well have been squeal. a quad, which is squeal and do donuts. They had a yeah. drifting smoke. course for slingshots. I think, yeah, it was to take a test ride on one of these abominations, and then uh, you get to do fucking donuts and, and figure eights while well, some guy just you know does it for you, and you kind of shit yourself or something. Yeah, basically like this Jersey uh, barrier off area, and they just did donuts the entire time. It was yeah. fucking absurd. So you and, guys... Yeah, it just pisses everybody off, and it, was, it smells horrible. It was the quad of the three-wheeled vehicle world. <laughs> That's what it so you guys went and did some of the test rides. Tell we, me what you did. rode what'd you, and what'd you think. Well, we had a lot of fun. Jim, do you want to go first? Yeah. yeah. Was there anything we'll life and forth. anything life the, uh, changing? You know, some of it was. Uh, there's one bike that I thought I thought Jim and I thought was cool. Let's let's just do that one together. Okay, the, we'll do that. Later, so yes. I'll just start. With, so if you can imagine, you walk outside the convention center and it's outside in a big fenced off area, and it's great because you know it's a bunch of manufacturers all in one area and. Uh, so you walk through, and because it was uh, like you know media and industry people only day, um, you could walk up and do test rides anytime you wanted with any bike. Because I was mm-hmm. like, and we went up on Thursday afternoon, and you know I'd already had a couple of pops, and I'm like, hey, I'm gonna sign up for a ride tomorrow, and uh, I go to the Indian thing, and I'm like, hey, I want to do a ride, and they're like, okay, sign me up and hop on a bike, and I'm like, no, not today, tomorrow. I mean, because so you could walk up and do any ride you wanted. Yeah. So we started at Indian, and so the first bike I rode was the Indian Chieftain dark horse edition yeah mm. which is right so a lot of times when i do these test rides i want to ride something i'm just i'm never gonna buy <laughs> right and and Most i absurd thing there. right and uh, and i can at this point i'm probably not gonna buy a big v-twin cruiser but it's no different than we went to the arlen nest dealership and we and arlen's right there he's like hey you want to do a test ride so i picked the cross country and uh the victory cross country so it was i'd just like to say you know i uh, went by the harley booth and nothing jumped out at me Went by the Indian booth, almost everything jumped out. Yeah. Almost everything they have is really cool looking bikes that make me want to throw mm-hmm. a leg over. Yeah, I, I went to, I, funny enough, I went to the Harley first as well and uh, and saw some sporties and some stuff like that. And most of the bikes, but yeah, I was like, okay, I'll come back and this will be the last on my list. But um, so anyway, I ended up at, uh, at Indian and... Uh, on the Chieftain Dark Horse. So this is... So that's, um, that's a good looking... It's a, it's a large bike. It'd be um, with a big fairing and bags. Yeah, so a big bagger, mm-hmm. uh, 1,800 cc's. Yeah. Was it 1,800? Yeah, Jesus. but, it, you know, fuel injected. Um, you know, does like 1,900 pounds of foot torque at 3,000 RPM. Horsepower is a secret. But uh, the best thing I liked about it, so I hop on... Oh, I know. Oh, right, I this know. is awesome. So <laughs> I hop on it. I'm like, oh, my God. I, you you got to love it, 1,900 right? foot pounds of torque? 100, 100 foot. Or 100, thank you. I close one eye. I got to close one eye. And um, so you hop on it, super comfy, digital display and all that. But what it was very comfortable, ergonomically, it was very comfortable as well. Mm-hmm. And what I liked is it had this big fairing and a real small, you know, windscreen in front that was, you know, automatic. You could raise and lower. Um, but then the digital display came up and I turned on the stereo and this wasn't the Bluetooth. It was full on speakers in the front, speakers <laughs> in the back. And I'm like, heck yeah. So, um, you know, the girl hooks it up uh, to her Bluetooth. I um, mean, anyway, to talk to do the music. And um, next thing you know, she's playing ACDC. 
Shook me all night long. Shook me all night. What'd you World's call greatest love song. World's greatest love song. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, fuck it. Yeah. I start turning it up and it gets louder and louder and louder. <laughs> and as I'm up to seven, eight, nine, I'm having to yell. I'm like, does it go to 11? And she looks at me and she goes, yes. I was like, <laughs> marketing genius. It goes to 11. Oh my God. So of course, we're the people sitting in the parking lot with ACDC pumping at 11 <laughs> on the Indian Chief Louder than, than the fucking Polaris thing doing burnouts yeah. or can't Oh my God. But what I'll say is, um, you know, even though I'm not, I, I'm comfortable in those bikes, but they just don't feel nimble. The bike yeah. felt super solid. Yeah. Um, the engine was super peppy. Uh, I mean, peppy without knowing it. It's funny. The first thing I did when we got on the freeway was uh, I started hitting the rev limiter. Yeah. Because you know, I'm used to running a... Um, you know the FC one an inline in a thousand cc inline four. Were you doing this when you were hitting the on ramp? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And I'm like, wait, whoa, what's happening? It's almost like you're running out of gas. And I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> it was it was actually cutting out. Yeah, huh? I'm waiting to get to the power band, <laughs> you know. But I wasn't waiting. The power was already there. I was up to speed, so that yeah. it delivered the speed super smooth. You know, it does have that really tough feel to it, um, and super comfortable. So I thought ergonomically it was good. But yeah. one of my favorite tests I've kind of learned on on these uh, test rides because they're usually kind of lame, right? Mm -hmm. They're lead you're going through town part of the time um and they're slow and yeah and i get yeah. that that's the right thing to do so i found the best place to test them is on a on a bumpy on-ramp or off-ramp mm -hmm. you know because you're you're banking you can slingshot a little bit and if you can get a little bit of bumpage you can see what the suspension is going to do yeah and uh so i slung shot through a uh wait it's slung shot a real word it is now it is now son <laughs> <laughs> i slung shot at it yeah um on a on an off ramp and an, and an on ramp as well and and the suspension felt like it just really stuck to the road. Oh, it just sucks it up. Yeah. Cool. Whereas I've been on Harley's and you're like this fucking the back ends chattering around yeah. and you just feel like oh this ain't fun. Yeah. But so all in all, I, I had a great time on the bike. So it had plenty of power. Um, the thing would get up and go super comfortably. I felt like all the stuff that was on it, the stereo, the speakers, the the automatic windscreen and things, they all felt very solidly made. Yeah. Like, would you own one? Um. If I lived in Minnesota, yes. <laughs> would you, would you rent one to drive cross country, ride cross country? Uh, you know, I would I would look at some other Indians, okay. but yeah, I would I would I, if I was doing something like like I watch Corbin go out to Sturgis every year on his you know big cruiser and, right and yeah. Um, yeah I mean I could but the Victory cross country <clears throat> and the Victory bikes are are pretty darn good too. You know, you know what's funny is I sat on that bike too, and at like five nine when I sat behind the steering or steering wheel the handlebars. It felt like I was in a 70s car where the dash is kind of high and you have this tiny mirror <laughs> or uh, windscreen that you had to kind of look up and over. So it felt like you're in a fucking 70s hoop tier. It something. was like no joke with the windscreen <laughs> was maybe maybe three inches above yeah. the fairing. Yeah. So and it was almost like this thing's not does this really do anything. Right. Exactly. But then when you get on the road, you're like, it was very effective. Was it? Was it? OK, cool. it, it was. So, yeah, big thumbs up. You know, if you like the cruiser bikes and uh, well, that was my ex Indian experience. Yeah, It was a handsome looking bike. It really was, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and here's the thing: uh, when you ride a, a like a, a cruiser or a chopper or a chopper like cruiser or, or a chopper that's been built out of a cruiser, um, they kind of feel like death traps a little bit, just because of the ergos, and that's not necessarily bad. And I kind of like that, and this kind of leads into my Indian experience. <laughs> no, what? <laughs> yeah, no, it's cool. Um, what I rode was the Indian Scout Bobber. Good looking bike. It's oh. a cool looking Fucking. bike. It's very I was, handsome. I was going to ride the one that had the ape hanger bars on it because yeah. it looks so dope. But then yeah. I was like, I'll ride that fucking Yeah, yeah, right. It's something more ridiculous. Anyway, yeah, good looking bike. Yeah, motor was great. First, I thought what I was, I rode the bike and I rode it. I enjoyed it. And I was impressed with the power. Uh, 
impressed with the power delivery. And then I found out that it wasn't the Scout 60, but it was the Scout Bobber, which was... Oh, it looks like a Yamaha Bolt. Yeah, yeah. And so instead of a 1,000 cc's, it was like it was a, an 1113. So 1133 mm -hmm. cc, which equates to, what is that, like a, a 70 cubic inch or something, whatever that is. And, I, uh, I don't speak French. Yeah, there's freedom units, and then there's like science units, right? Anyways, um, still impressed. I was like, okay, cool. Uh, fun motor. Wasn't very vibey, but like you sat on it and you revved it, you could tell that it was, you know, it's a big thumping motor. I think it's a water-cooled motor. Did it make you feel badass? Um, A little bit. Yeah. You know? That's, what it that's was. the big joint thing. It, it's one of those things when you stand up on it and you straddle the bike. Um, yeah, you're not supposed to do that. Well, I mean, what I do is I, I do this thing where I straddle a bike and I toss the bike left and right between my hips. Yeah, to I see hate how, it when uh, you're test riding one of my new bikes and I see you like wiggling it on the freeway. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, just sad. juggling you know, my nuts. Just juggling my nuts, <laughs> scratch my nuts. But it's great. It's got a big buttery power, deliver, power delivery. Uh, you'll, you'd have no uh, problems overtaking cars or traffic. Um, it has just enough revs to keep it exciting. Uh, it's it's practical in town as like a bar hopper. And if you want to do stoplight races, this is the bike. You know, it's a good bike to do it mm -hmm. with. Um, and um, what's what's cool about it is what it's cool and what I kind of hate about cruisers in general is the Ford uh, controls. Mm -hmm. It feels I like, like yeah, I know you do, but like. When I ride, I tend to pull myself up towards the front of the wheel so I could feel the bike. Mm -hmm. And you're near that far back, it seems kind of disconnected. And on this specific bike, when you gas the shit out of it, I mean, there's a lot of power. And so what happens is you're getting thrown back and your arms are like getting pulled out of your sockets. You know? yeah. So it's so it's a little America, scary. Son. Yeah, <laughs> and and that's not again, that's not necessarily <laughs> bad. Like it should kind of scare you a little bit. Well, I know at some point you like know? you and I talked about like where we sit on motorcycle seats and like, you know, I got a Corbin seat and stuff. It's comfy. Yeah. But I think we sit for the most part on the first three or four inches of the seat in the gas tank. Right. That's right. where that's where we're comfortable. Yeah. And uh You like your nuts on metal. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, when I ride, when well, I get especially aggressive. in the Santa Cruz mountains, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, you. I generally want my nuts right behind the steering yoke when I want to ride, you know, aggressively or whatever. But um, the bike makes all the right sounds and vibes, and even with the with a stock exhaust, I like. Okay, this is reasonable. I like this. I could I could see myself riding, uh, you know, touring on this. Mm -hmm. So well. you, you know, when you touched on something, I think I noticed about the Indian bikes in general, especially when you you know juxtapose with Harley, is mm -hmm. the pricing. Yeah, the pricing all structure the, is different. Yeah. All those Indian bikes are priced to sell for what you get. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're not dropping anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. You buy a Harley, you get a Harley. You buy an Indian, you, you buy an Indian. Well, a lot of you know, times you buy a Harley, a, you're financing. You just financing. said something that meant nothing. No. I was going to say a lot of times. <laughs> they're very different motorcycles well, is what I'm saying for a cruiser. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is, I mean, you know, like I said, a lot of times you don't buy a Harley. You finance it. I mean, we've mm -hmm, been to Harley yeah. de dealerships before, and they've got the finance person filling out paperwork. You don't buy where, a Harley. You buy a lifestyle. Well, even that new, the new Indian... Um, um, FXR, you could. I mean, it's you could pay FTR. cash for that potentially. Yeah. That's I mean, a right? Nice looking bike. Yep. We'll get to that later. Yeah. yeah. Handling, like I said, forward controls. Um, you know, it's like I said, feels like a death trap, but it's fun. Uh, far as riding around town and and through traffic, I've just found myself you know pulling myself towards the front right. of the bike. Uh, it's relatively light for what it is. I mean, it didn't feel like a five hundred fifty four pound bike. So you were uh, able to throw it around a bit. I was able to throw it That's around good. a little bit. I mean, the, the bike was low and the weight was low, which helps a lot. Uh, the bike is long, so it uh, 
The handling was decent for what it is. It's slow to neutral. Uh, I wasn't fighting the bars. A lot of the times when you accelerate out of a turn, uh, the bike would want to run wide, and you're having to push a little harder to mm-hmm. maintain your line. I didn't really have to do that with this. Um, so it's well suspended. I mean, 554 pounds, I guess you have to. Uh, quick swerves are a little bit of a handful. I mean, there's just so much mass to throw around. But, I mean, it's to be it's as, as expected. You get used to it. And um, it's pretty easy to win slow races with this bike because there is so much mass, there's so much crank inertia, and you could kind of keep revving it. Um, stops really well for what it is. I mean, you definitely got to mash through your brake a little bit more. I mean, that's just how cruisers are, you know. But uh, <clears throat> aside from that, handling, pretty decent for what it is. Uh, fit finish, fit and finish was really good. Like, there was a lot of mat on it. And I guess that kind of helps hide whatever flaws there is, but... It seems like they spent a really good amount of time with the finish. It looks really nice. Very handsome looking bike. Uh, paint is thick where it needs to be, and it just looked solid. I didn't really like the tank badge because it was like some kind of weird plasticky thing and kind of stuck on there with double stick adhesive or something, but whatever, you know. Uh, overall, uh, it's a pretty refined bike for what it is. Uh, it's fun. You feel cool on it. It's got personality. I think it's a good overall package for what it is, and... Um, very few manufacturers can actually do that, you know. Um, this out of the box feels good, and if you want to personalize it, you can. But I think out of the box, it feels good. It's a comprehensive, cool uh, box. Yeah, you know what I'll say is probably the best marketing that for me when I saw the bike, I'm like, I want to ride that bike, and you know, it looked good and it was tough and everything. But mm-hmm. if you remember, we were back at the Corbin's for the Independence Day Rally last July Fourth, mm. and the place is packed and everything's crowded. All of a sudden, this bike comes rolling in right through everybody and pulls up to Mike's, and it's a it's one of those Indian bobbers. Mm. And pulls right up to the front door like he owns the place, mm-hmm. and it's Sonny Barger. Yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. like, uh, and then like some hot forty year old comes up and starts kissing his bald ass head, and I'm like, <laughs> Sonny fucking rocks. After that, I'm like, that's the cool bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what else? What else did you ride? Yeah. So but anyway, shout out to Indian. So then we jumped over. Well, I'm not going to say the next one because I think that was my favorite bike of the weekend. <gasps> yeah, that was mine too. So I'll save that for last. I so think I know what yeah. it is. But so then I started looking at the uh, adventure bikes and. Uh, you know, because I think, you know, I got some plans for next year, couple of years. I'd like to do something like the Trans-America Trail or, I don't know, you know, I like getting away. It's on our list. It is, yeah. That's right, man. And uh, so, I'm, so I'm starting to look at these adventure bikes, and, and I like the Japanese fuel injected, so, and I like Yamahas. I got, a, you know, what, like three of them. Oh. And and um, and, I, and so I, I checked out the Super Tenere. A lot of people like that. Yeah. And um, so, you know, this thing had all the bells and whistles. It was a beautiful looking bike, um, you know, kind of a lot of plastic on the front. But it had the on the you know the adjustable front fork suspension, um, you know all the traction control, all that kind of stuff. ABS brakes, which seems to be more or less standard with everything now, which is awesome. You yeah. know, I wish I had ABS now. Um, and and the bike was comfortable. Um, hopped on it. Um, you know, it felt good and everything. So we took off, and it was interesting because you know I'm used to the inline four, very different motor. So you got the parallel twin. I don't know. It's like 1100 cc, something like that. Thousand yeah, I think cc it's a bike. Yeah, thousand or something. Yeah, and um, no, it's a 1200. Is it 1200? I don't uh, remember. Like, they got the Super. piece of paper. I don't know. It says something. Anyway, it's around. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> whatever. Fucking like, shit. And um, <laughs> but anyway, but so hopped on it. Ergonomically, it was very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, the display was all right. That kind of stuff. You know, one thing out the gate is I wanted to. One thing for me is wind protection, right? Because remember, we were riding up. We're coming back from Vegas, and we stop in the middle of California's almond country, which is vast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of almond trees. And, Ammons. Uh, and I'm like, hey, I got to clean my visor. How's your guys' visor? And you guys are like, what are you even talking about? I'm, <laughs> my visor's coated with bugs. And you guys are like, huh? <laughs> 
<laughs> so anyway, so one of my big things is wind protection because it beats you up, you know, it wears you out. Yeah. And um, so I wanted to get the windscreen all the way up so I could feel what that was like, right? So it was kind of janky off the off the bat, remember not? The adjusting system was, you can't do it with one hand. You got to like, you certainly can't do it when you're riding the bike. You well, know? the Yamaha gotta, dude couldn't do it with two hands without the knob falling right, off. Right, exactly. And, that, and that's one of the presenters, right? Here's yeah. something I don't get. I've had two BMWs from the 90s that had a one button uh, control for the windshield. Yeah. And uh, I don't understand why we've regressed from that, why no one else has adapted that. It's just, that's too riche, man. Well, I'll it's say, like but the, when you step shit. up to that, like above 10 grand motorcycle, yeah. that would be a nice thing to have. Right. Um, so anyway, hopped on it, felt good and everything. So we roll out of the parking lot and, um, was that, was that the shit show ride with the Europeans? Yeah. <laughs> no, was wait, that no. The, that, that was the was, Honda ride. That was the Honda ride. We'll get to that. Okay. We'll get to that too. Um, was this the one where the guy was the guy leading got hit by the car? Almost, almost got <laughs> hit by the car. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that too. So uh, anyway, I hop on the bike and it was very different, right? I'm not used to the big V twins. I'm used to dirt bikes and I'm used to inline fours. Yeah. Um. So very rumbly, rumbly in my tumbly, and we pull out of the parking lot and uh, start getting on the freeway. And did you see the guy almost get hit? Yes. You know what? The lady that swerved into you guys, I saw that bitch pull up maybe 500 yards with her signal on. She was trying to find her way in. And in my mind, I'm going, oh, this motherfucker is going to cut in. Uh, is she going to cut in? Didn't think nothing of it. Sure enough, by the time we got to that stoplight, she said, fuck you. <laughs> and their lead rider, like, barely fucking misses her safety vest and doll. I, I, oh, thought, yeah. I thought they made contact. I'm no, like, it was close. I was like, I was looking at him and, and he, he, he break pretty damn suddenly. Right. So <laughs> anyway, that was our start. Welcome to Vegas. Yeah. And, uh, so anyway, took the bike out and, uh, you know, it was rumbly. It was, um, you know, it was loud. It was, um, you know, it was, brr, you felt like you're riding the bike. Handling was okay. Um, you know, I don't know how much I'm going to use on, you know, you know, thumb control, adjustable front suspension. Yeah. Um, you know, but I get it was the bells and whistles version. So I, you know, I felt right, like it had active, uh, semi-active suspension, right? Like you could adjust preload and stuff by pushing buttons. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All that shit. And, yeah. uh, all I know is when the wires go into the front forks, it's going to be expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, and it was all, and it was okay. I was, I was a little, you know, like bummed out, even though, I mean, I'd, I'd ridden the KTM adventures before and Liza's KTM supermoto adventure thing. Um, but it was like, eh, it didn't fire me up. Like, I wanted to be stoked when I got off it, and I didn't. Yeah. I mean, Did this it been boring? Is that what it was? it was? It was loud, and, like, everything seemed loose. Like, it wasn't tight, um, oh. you know, and it just, you know, it didn't have a lot of, it didn't feel like I had a lot of uh, pep getting out the gate, you mm. know, for a leader bike. Um, mm-hmm. Even though it's an adventure bike, it just didn't feel tight. Like, it didn't, you know, have didn't a lot of torque. Did it feel torquey at all? No, no, nah, really? nah, it did not feel torquey. Um, and I even went up and down through the gears. Like we're on the yeah. highway, I'll drop two gears, see what did it does. Did you fuck with the power delivery setting? Because I think it has modes. I did. I immediately put it in sport mode. Okay. Yeah, I do that with all of them because it's like if you're gonna ride it. I mean, right? <laughs> yeah. I keep the ABS on. Yeah. At least yeah. I think I do. I was pushing the button for a while and I wasn't sure what mode it was <laughs> after a while. But like, open. I mean, you did you did do it on sport mode and it was different. I did. Was it, was it noticeably different for you? Um, I well, I, I put on sport mode immediately, and yeah. it still just didn't really get me fired up. Oh shit! Right, like when I hopped, like like oh, like Liza's KTM, and when I got on that thing, I was like, "This is powerful, and it rides like a scalpel." And, uh, yeah. and I just didn't get that from the from the Tenere. But I'm like, hey, you know, maybe it's an adventure bike. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, but I think it's totally capable. I think you could take it off road and do whatever it is you want to do with it. I just was expecting a little bit more from Yamaha and a little mm. bit more for the price. Now. I'm going to roll right into something, if you don't mind, Nock, no, no, is ahead. I rode the Africa Twin right after that. Yeah. Ooh. And I told Nock, it was, I'm sorry, Yamaha guys, I love 
Yamaha, but the Africa Twin just blew it out of the water. You've been yeah. you've day. been talking about the Africa Twin for a while. Well, and and well, I've been talking about both those bikes. I mean, I wish they'd come out with the Tenere Seven Hundred. I think that would be sweet, or even even bring the Africa Twin Seven Hundred back. Yeah. Um, but I hopped on the Honda, and it was night and day difference. Oh, and the Tenere's got the 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 shaft drive, so that's one thing to just to be aware of. Um, and I rode the shifting version of everything, not the automatic. But um, yeah, the Africa Twin, it was just right night and day from the very beginning. Um, the engine yeah. was quieter. It hummed a lot better. Um, it just felt tighter. Um, it had plenty of torque. You know, when you rolled on the throttle, the thing would get up and go. Um, it, it was good to look at. You know, it didn't have a lot of the plastic on the front some of the other bikes would have. Like, you look at the Tigers. You know, it's mm-hmm. got that big old plastic beak and shit. Um, I think the Honda looked cleaner. Yeah, it's um, Italian design. That's why it looks hot. Is that right? Yep. Cool. The front end of it is... But, I, I, but, it, but when you look at it, it looks like what an adventure bike should be. It looks simple and it looks burly. Mm-hmm. Um, so with plenty of torquey, plenty of get up and go. It was, you know, it was just all around quieter, which which if you ride a lot, it makes a difference. Which, you know, what's interesting is it's got a smaller motor, but it's tuned a different way to where you actually, it feels more purposeful and thrusty. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. Like, like I felt like we were going through like, oh, and here's the other thing I'll say about Honda. They did a proper test ride. Yeah. Like, how would you describe it not? It was it was a one hour test ride. It, luckily, we kind of got out of town of, to avoid the rush hour traffic. But they did the only, I think it's the only company there that did the proper test ride, which is like an hour and twenty minutes. I find that in- interesting that each company kind of had their own path or, or lap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Their or, or and what, who was it? Was a Harley? Was it yeah? Here, take the keys, go. Yeah, I guess if we tested <laughs> I mean, one, we'd know, but yeah, huh? yeah. yeah. But what was nice about the the Honda one is you got out of town, so you got to actually get up to freeway speeds, and you got mm-hmm. to actually, it was beautiful. We were out in the desert, and then we could open it up a little bit. Yep. Um, you know, that's where you could really play with the gears, go from fifth, fourth, third, and, you know, really see what the engine could do. You actually hit highway speeds. You're going like 80, 85 yeah. at one point. We'll right? talk about that when you're on the, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um, uh, but, but, but the Africa Twin, hands down, I thought was a way better motorcycle. I rode the vanilla version, you know, no bells and whistles. It had mm-hmm. ABS, you know, it had adjustable front forks and all that kind of stuff. But uh, ABS was the only electronics on it. Yeah, uh, six speed and uh, and it was tight. And, you know, if I was looking at buying an adventure bike, you know, the KTMs I like too. you know, I like to go back and check out the, the, the V twins. Um, but the Honda hands down, I thought blew the tenery out of the water. Yeah. All right. So cool. and what else did you ride? So I, I, I was on gym with the Yamaha test ride and I rode the uh, Tracer 900 GT, which is the grand hmm. touring version version of the uh fz09 or which is now the mt09 what it is it's a fair yeah it's faired version this particular model had all the shit on it had all the bags and the crash protection and i think the uh, larger windscreen just all the stuff that weighed down i think it's replacing the fj09 yeah yeah Yeah. uh and um i think it was at uh the thing was at 462 pounds and um it because, I mean, I've rode Megan's before. Oh, so this would be similar to, like, a Versus 1000. Yeah. It's kind of in yeah. that range. It, it's it's yeah. in that market. Okay, yeah. Uh, well, like, like it's the FJ09, basically. It's it, a FJ, yeah. touring FJ09 yeah. with a different fairing and and, uh, and some bells mm-hmm. and It's a good-looking bike, though. It's a good-looking bike, yeah. Um, I thought Knock looked good on it. Like, when he was sitting on it, I'm like, dude, if you were going to ride across country, I think that bike would do you okay. I think the design is timeless. Um, you're going to look at it maybe 10, 15 years later. Go, oh, yeah, that's a really cool sport touring, you know, bike. It looks right. futuristic. Like we modern. do with the FJR. Yeah, well, the FGR yeah. kind of got the same look, even yeah, the newer yeah, ones. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, Road Megan's her her uh, FZ09, mm-hmm. and I, I liked it a lot. And it was that thing's light; it's like four hundred twenty some pounds. Did the front wheel want to come up all the time? All the time. 
but so I, I was curious to know how all that extra shit on the GT version handled because it it ended up being 462 pounds you know a few more pounds but it didn't really change it all that much if anything the arrows were probably changed but anyways uh yamaha knows how to build uh smooth and fast motors unless you're running the MotoGP gp class which they have issues with their engines there generally speaking they make really nice very smooth revy motors on all their bikes lots of power they're well engineered um they're just great wonderfully engineered motors uh, this particular motor had a really good fat torque characteristic, um, very flat, very linear power delivery. Uh, it's got this raspy kind of like sounding uh, exhaust note. I mean, it's a triple, you know, uh, and, and I hate and I hate triples because they just sound like dog shit. What? I it, love triples. Well, you, here's the thing. You're, this is an exception. <laughs> Your triple sounds dope because oh. it's an old ass triple. Triples are the perfect compromise. Triumphs and the modern triple bikes i don't like because it sounds like a inline four that's misfiring <laughs> <laughs> my old cowie would do that and it, it would piss me off so i'm forever scarred but uh it's got these really interesting kind of like signature vibes that uh the uh, triples have that motor uh the power delivery is very useful it's very practical and it's it's powerful you could really you know you could you could win some stoplight races with that um <clears throat> so you know Go test ride one of these and see if you actually like a triple motor uh, before, you know, actually buying one, obviously. Uh, it's got a really neat gear one at four and a half, five 5K. I mean, I was riding without my earplugs, and uh, you hear this thing go, Wee! It's like it, it sounds like a jet taking off. It's super neat. And it's got power modes, uh, You just which you just leave right. on A mode. I mean, you know, which is like race. Yeah, all the mode. Yamaha triples have that. Yeah. I mean, it's handy to have on a wet day when you have a softer power mm -hmm. delivery, but I just I would leave it on A mode. Uh, handling is excellent. <clears throat> I did a little research and I found that this thing has very similar geometry numbers to an R6. And the trail on this bike is only three millimeters longer uh, than an R6. So it's very sharp handling, uh, but it's got five and a half inches of suspension travel, almost an inch more than uh, uh, the R6. Uh, it's it's pretty bold move, but it's fucking cool. Um, handling was neutral to light, uh, long, big old wide bars. Suspension travel feels a little bit more disconnected than a sport bike because it is of the longer suspension travel. Um, but, you know, you want if you want to ride this thing fast, relatively fast, you might want to get it looked at. So that that might be on your someday list. Probably, yeah. Good, yeah. good to know. It's it's definitely an option. It's like it's a cool bike. It's right up my alley. Uh, the brakes work well enough. Uh, a little too much fork fork dive for my for my liking, but again, you know, you got to do what you got to to make it uh, work for you. Fit and finish, very good. Uh, I rode the dark dark colored one. It's like a dark gray or whatever. And uh, dark colors tend to hide whatever flaws there are, but it's fine. Whatever, it looks cool. Um, screen was okay. They had this. The screen on this thing was like a one-handed operation. You just click it and move it up and down. But it kind of rattled, and we didn't really go that fast on the freeway, so I didn't really get to test how well it would do at 85, 90, or whatever cruising speed you want to go. Um, the one-hand operation of the screen is pretty neat, though. You could just—it's a clip. You hold and you lift up and you release. It's like opening one of those old-school kind of like triangle windows it's like that um yeah i mean it, it it's a bike you would buy if you want to go hey i'm going to disappear for three months and i don't want any problems on the road you buy one of these 
That's you awesome. ride for three months, come back, and all right, cool. Or you got to haul a bowl, a whole bunch of heroin. Yeah, well, yeah, you could do it very quickly. And it's a modern, modern looking bike, and it looks kind of timeless, like I said earlier. And it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, it, Yamaha makes really cool looking bikes. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> overall, though, overall, uh, it's, it's actually one of the least exciting bikes on this whole test ride. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it's not boring, but it's the least exciting of the rides that I did. And, uh, Yamaha makes bikes so well that sometimes it's just it seems kind of well. Boring. Hold on, I can help you out. Was it better than my Versus 650 you rode there? Yes. Okay. Well, there you go. Yes, and uh, I mean the engine's got a lot of character, which is a good highlight of that bike. And maybe down the road you could find one that's used, and um, you know it's definitely worth your money. But my main regret was not riding the XSR 900, which was the retro version uh, of yeah. that bike. Good yeah. looking bike. But yeah, yeah, uh, good bike. So uh, the, the next bike, this was the second one we did, um, but I saved the best for last. Mm-hmm. So the, the where we went to uh, after the Indians was the Kawasaki booth, mm-hmm. right? And so we're choosing out what we're going to ride. And I'm sorry, but when you walk over, the first thing that caught my eye was the new Z900 RS. Mm-hmm. And oh, the retro. Yeah. The retro. What so, color did you use? Uh, the brown and orange. Yeah, I got the root beer one, too. It was, it was root beer. It was, it was metal flake root beer. Yeah. And and, I'm, and the bike catches your eye right away, and it it's the simplicity. It but they do the retro thing well. I mean, if you look at the, even the shape of the seat is good. Mm-hmm. You know, the engine has fins. You know, and that they've they've buffed out the edge of the fin, so it's got that metal finish to it. It's very retro. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's a retro inspired bike. You know, it's based on the Z900 Street Fighter, um, and it's got that sweet. You know, the Z900 engine. Um, and so when you get on the bike, ergonomically, it's, it's very comfortable. Yep. Um, you know, you put your hands all on the bars and fit, they're in the right spot. You get on the seat, it's comfortable enough. Um, and then you just don't see anything in front of you except road, which is great. I love yeah. the naked bikes. Mm-hmm. Um, you fire up the engine and, uh, you know, the inline four just purrs. Yeah. And from what I understand, Kawasaki tuned the exhaust note to that. So it kind of has this kind of growl. And yeah. I, I mean, I've ridden Kawasaki's before and I've owned one. For some for some reason, I don't know if this is an engineer, engineered thing into Kawasaki. They tend to have this kind of like a raspy kind of a growl. I don't know if it's like a flaw in, in engineering or if it's purposefully done. But in, in the case of this bike, they tune the exhaust to make it sound like an old school bike. It does, and it rumbles. That's the word yeah. I'd use. Especially, you know, it's got the four into one exhaust. And, you know, especially at the lower RPMs, the thing sounds tough. Mm-hmm. And, and you feel bad on it. Um, but the thing ran tight like a sewing machine. That's what I noticed. You know, it's got yep. modern brakes. It's got modern suspension. That's what I love about the the modern classics. Yep. It gives you all of the, the coolness of the, of the classic, but with the... Modern performance yep. and handling. Yeah, and out of all the bikes I rode, without a doubt, this was the most fun to ride. Yeah. I, I felt like I wish we could have got on some canyon roads because I think when you get this thing on some twisties, it would be fun as fuck. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the the motor had this really creamy, fat, torque delivery. Like, it's a 900 motor. Uh, it's an inline four, but it's it's not that frantic, high-end, like, rush. It's... um. It's kind of like an inline twin almost like, no, like a, like a, like a, it's like a, it it delivers like a twin, but without the rumbliness, it's just fat and rich and, and, and exciting. It never felt flat the whole way. And, and it just egged you to keep dumping more gas in it and wanted you to, to twist the throttle more and more. Oh yeah. No, it felt like it would, it would, it would do anything you wanted to. Um, no, but super smooth, um, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Awesome in town. And it, and it was 
actually perfect on the freeway. I don't think I ever got past fourth or fifth gear. I mean, it was such a the gearbox was very usable. Uh, the spread, uh, the, the ratios were, were were wonderful. Yeah, you know, and I told Nock, I said this would be the like the perfect bike. Um, you know, for like say you were riding when you were younger, and then you had kids in a family, and you got away from riding, mm-hmm. and you want to get back into riding, um, and you wanted something that was comfortable, easy to ride, looked cool, sounded cool, had that familiar feel to it from mm-hmm. when you were younger. This is the bike for you. So yeah. if I, I so hands down, this was my favorite bike to ride. It was peppy. It was fun. It was fast. And if this, even if this is like your second bike, let's say you got your license and then you've been riding for a year and you, you're kind of done with your quote unquote beginner bike and you wanted a retro, modern, cool looking, you know, practical bike, this is a good bike to buy. This is a good one to try out. And I'd say if you wanted performance over cool factor, I would yeah. take this over like a Triumph or something like that any day. I, I think really? so too. Yeah, oh yeah, it's it's this is based on the Z900 platform, which is a pretty amazing. You know, it's an amazing motor. Yeah. Yeah. Platform. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I like the handling. It was great. It was dead neutral. I love dead neutral handling bikes. Uh, when you ride it fast, it tends to be slower than neutral when you're gassing out of a corner. But, like, you feel in control of it, and it's, you know, regular controls, and you end up pulling yourself forward on it, and it's good. What's the wheelie factor? Oh, we couldn't do it. We could. I mean, <laughs> it'll, it'll fucking oh, wheelie. Oh, I see. You could do it on my Versus, but not on the uh, test Well, bikes. I mean, you know, your Versus ain't, like, 10 grand or whatever. I told Nog on, our, on our, our last test ride. I'm like, come on, dude, stop you that shit, dude. It's our I last sh- test I ride. I didn't want to. I wanted to. Well, you could have on that last one we were on. I, I know, but like, it, it was it. It was a good bike, and and the handling was great. Uh, did I already say that? Yeah, no, it's all right. It was yeah. solid. Overall, it, it was... it's a very low effort bike to ride, yeah. and uh, it's exactly what you want from a retro modern rehash, and. Um, that's yeah. great, great to hear because you remember when I rode the Yamaha, is it the XSR? That's the mm. their version of like a yeah, I rode that too. Scrambler. Yeah, mm. I rode that uh, Laguna. It felt like riding a two by four. It, I didn't like it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, the seat was plush on the. Uh, they they re- yeah. replicated so the fat seat on. I, this I thought the XSR was kind of boring. Yeah. 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 You know, honestly, it was triple, right? Yeah, it was kind of yeah. boring. But yeah, um, the bike's got adjustable suspension too. So like, if you wanted carb cannons on this thing, you could totally do it. Sweet. Yeah. Um, fit and finish, great. Uh, the the paint was wonderful because it's nice and deep. It had the, the little paint was flake. bitching. Yeah, so well it's done. a win win. So young people yeah. will like it, and old get people will like if it. If you like to ride <laughs> motorcycles, you'll like this bike. And it, and again, it's affordable. Yeah, it's it's a sty, sty, a timeless styling. Uh, it, it, if you bought one of these now for looks in thirty years, it'll look as cool as it does today. Like it's like, it's funny they built this bike as a snapshot of the old model. But if you look at this new one in 30 years from now, it's like a snapshot of a snapshot. Yeah. You know, so. But yeah, it's it's a good bike. It's definitely worth buying and trying out. Are we going to talk about your last ride of the day? Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> so this was, um, again, a shout out to Honda because uh, Honda put on the only proper ride of the day. So thank you, Honda. Okay. So, yeah, this one was for the CBR, CB300R, which was... The smaller version of the CB1000R CBR300R. So the CB300R. So not a CBR. Okay. It's not a CBR. It's a CB300R, which is the younger, smaller version, younger, smaller version of the uh, CB1000R, the Neo Sports Retro styling. Right. The, the thumper version. The thumper version. Yeah, just just get a Ninja 300 instead. <laughs> uh, what it is is it's basically a a dirt bike. 
that they kind of put plastics on and it's a 289 something cc bike it's got good practical torque it's revy and which you will run out of very quickly and the tack light will start blinking at you and i'll just it's telling you to fuck off you know, it's it, g- 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 fuck off it kind of it kind of looks like a zero S- sr a little bit yeah it's got that round headlight thing going on and yeah um Perfect for dense urban riding, though. If you lived in the city and you didn't want a scooter, you didn't want a Grom, this could be a good alternative. Uh, it's got a bigger platform in general for uh, for like a, a top box or you know uh, side cases if you wanted to. It's not going to win you any races. Uh, I was able to get up to 83 to 85 miles per hour indicated if you tucked in. I did the thing where you kind of tuck in and you're, grab you're, the bars, like uh, grab the forks, like a flat tracker. You're you're tucking hard, son. Dude, yeah, I got, we I, no, I got, I got a good four miles an hour out of that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the handling is great. A good air goes for five foot nine person. Extremely flickable. I mean, good weight uh, distribution. It's mostly closer to four to neutral as far as weight distribution goes. Uh, it, Allows you natural transitions from relaxed to spirited riding. I always kind of like those in that in motorcycles. Um, you always feel like you have maximum control of the bike. Uh, I mean, you could back it in. You could slide it. I mean, I, I did it on one corner. It was pretty easy to do. And I don't know if it's got a slipper clutch or not, but like I said, it's it's a the engine braking is not horribly heavy. Where you know it'll get you in trouble and. If you're an experienced rider, you'll be fucking sliding this thing around all over the goddamn so did, place. So did you drop this thing and, and back wheel didn't lock up or anything like that? Um, well, I, I feathered it out. All I right. mean, I didn't completely dump it, uh, so I don't. I couldn't tell if there was a slipper clutch. Because you were it, working that little motor. I was fucking. I was to the. It was to the stop like ninety percent of the ride. Yeah. And we were doing this for about an hour. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It breaks are average. You know, like lightweight bike average uh it's got upside down forks which is neat you know you don't kind of see that on uh, smaller displacement models so that's neat to have suspension's a little too soft but that's what to be expected that's because uh, your belly's too big i'm way too fat for that bike. <laughs> i'm way too fat but uh it's stylish and uh it's got the same cb1000r retro look and i think they're starting to do that with the with the line there of their naked bikes i think they're trying to apply that styling to the uh CB650F, I, I believe, uh, as, as a concept. Uh, it's not up to par as uh, the their flagship models. As far as fit and finish goes, it, the paint seemed kind of thin in some parts, but that's okay, whatever. It's If it's going to be your beater bike, I don't think it's too much of a concern. Um, overall, it's, like I said, buy this instead of the Grom. If you don't want the Grom for a grocery getter, uh, it would be a decent long-term purchase to have mm-hmm. in an urban area. You know, you can get on the highway for a little bit. I mean, I wouldn't sport tour on it. Although we did see that motherfucker on a Ninja 250 on the highway leaving Vegas. Remember that guy? Yeah, we saw him briefly. Yeah. Did <laughs> I you remember see that him. guy on a Ninja no. 250? He was on the white Ninja 250, remember? Yeah, we were leaving Vegas and uh, we were just kind of bombing through traffic. Oh, right, right, right. Well, because those guys were, we were letting those guys pass us. They were riding right. erratically on Harleys and we were doing around 90 and we're like, yeah. these guys are riding weird. Let's let them pass us. And then that guy on the, the, that white Ninja kind of pulls up and I look, yeah. and we and Liza were on comms. It was a big dude. And too. I'm like, I'm going to let this guy pass. And I looked over and I said, no, I'm no, not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Dropped the gear and left him. Yeah, yeah. and uh, But yeah, like I said, uh, cool bike to have, but I'd rather have the Ninja equivalent version of it. 
just because I think the Ninja's a little bit more refined. It's It's been around a little bit longer, and it's probably just a better motor. Um, this bike, to me, looks like what we've been saying we need here in this country. Yeah. Good, solid, small displacement bikes you, just to get more people riding, and this looks like the answer. And you know what I saw, too, is is simple, inexpensive maintenance. Yeah. Right? And, you know, so, you know, it's like we take our bikes in, and, you know, valve jobs, you know, pricier, very time-consuming, one or the other. And I looked at that motor, I'm like, damn, that is so simple. And you rode the fuck out of that thing, and it seemed to handle it okay. So yeah. I liked it for, like, an urban rider or someone with a little bit smaller stature or if you're just looking for a lightweight bike yeah and i kept hitting the fucking horn button it's like twice the size of your test rides you know what i mean well what it is i think is these bikes are being uh employed in like asian countries where people use their horn a lot so i think they just made the lord the button the larger so it's easier for them to use (laughs) why you gotta make this racist no it's a thing culturally they just fucking beep a lot over there in those countries where they have a lot of small bikes. that's why i was beeping at people when we were at hollister yeah, because oh you're God. supposed to beep, beep, beep yeah. when you come up behind someone. Let Not them when know you're, you're dirt there. Biking, but, but so anyway. I think what happens <laughs> is that that kind of design change followed over here into the states, and so mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's what I've noticed with all the other bikes too. It's just all the horn buttons twice the size, and the turn signals is right below that. So was the this is you're done, you're done. This is your summary because you spent the whole day there. It was yeah. a good day. Well, you know, it was well, you know. You know, we, we're trying to talk to people and meet people, um, but I, me and Nock talked, and it's like, you know what? Let's spend the day riding mm-hmm. motorcycles because you know we talk to people a lot, and there was another day to to go around the show and, yeah. and meet vendors and catch up with friends. But I thought it was a day well. I mean, it was a day well spent getting to ride, especially so. since there wasn't a lot of people there, so we were yeah. able to hop on bikes. You know, that was a beauty of it, and uh, and and again, all the dealers were real cool about it. Although I did get immediately get two phone calls from our local dealers. So, uh, so did I. Right, and Kawasaki blew me up. Dude, and every time they asked me, are you looking to buy a motorcycle in the next year? I said, no. <laughs> but that's all right. No, yeah. I, I get it. No big deal. One extra special gripe in regards to the test ride. I believe, yes, this was the Indian uh, test ride people person. We go up there. We want to do a test ride. And one of the test riders, after coming back from a ride, uh, comes up to us and just starts getting political, immediately political. Talking about this and that and so and so and so forth. I'm not going to say what it is specifically, but I believe as a representative of the company of somebody who's trying to sell motorcycles to a wide array of people, the first thing you shouldn't say is about so and so politics in general. Not a smart move. Of course, when we eventually found that she was an ex-cop and all this shit and she just kept on going on and on about Whatever. But so, so leave politics out. I just want to talk about out. bikes. I just want to talk about bikes. Mm. I mean, like if I was a hiring manager or a fucking brand ambassador for Indian, I would like tell people not, I would, wouldn't would tell people to alienate potential buyers. That's not a winning strategy, dog. You know what I mean? But yeah, whatever. Let it go, not. I know. It it's just, it's just so stupid because I work in marketing. I go, what the I fuck know. are you doing? Like. Well, Anyways, yeah. While you guys were doing that, I was inside uh, covering some interviews. Yeah. There was so, I mean, there was so much, it was really hard to choose. Um, but I did want to talk to some people because I had I had real questions. And one of the, the first places I went to, so both uh, Jim and I, we mentioned how we have columns on our helmets, which 
It's turned out to be really valuable, I found, just um, in giving directions. Because like, I've got my GPS going and I can mm-hmm. say, like, a half mile turning right. Just being able to give the other rider like a heads up. I was going to say, it's more beneficial for you than me to give direction, Bea. Yeah, no, but I'm saying I'm communication is 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 no, it is it really is very useful. Helpful, yeah. And I bought uh, myself a Senna this year, and I've been um, it's it's the um, 10C with a camera, and I'm still trying to figure it out and fumbling through. And sometimes I put the radio on, and sometimes I you know take a picture or video. <clears throat> I haven't used any of the pictures or video, but I'm still getting used to it. Mm. Um, but there, I, I wanted to go to the Senna booth and talk to them because there's still so much I don't understand about what these <laughs> things can do. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. We used our Senna a lot on the way down, and I was very resistant to it at first because I'm just resistant of any technology because I like the simplicity of it. But I yep. will say the, Zen, the Senna has been super helpful, especially when we take these road trips. Um you know, because I can go from music to all of a sudden, you know, Liza's in my head. Hey, you know, after this, yeah. you know. You guys were like, full comms the whole time, yeah. Yeah, we were talking about you mostly. But <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, of course. Naturally. <laughs> but uh, but it, it's I got to admit, it's super convenient, yeah. yeah. Nice. So I went over to Senna and I talked to one of their representatives, Casey, and she filled me in on a lot of stuff and answered some questions for me. So let's hear that here. So, can you tell me who you are? I am Casey, and I do marketing here at Senna Technologies. And now we've gotten that out of the way, how to pronounce it. Yes, Senna. I mean, you can say it either way, but it is Senna. I had to make the switch because I used to say Sina, but I figured since I work here, I should probably say it right. But we accept everything. We actually, on our podcast recently, did a commonly mispronounced names of companies, and and Senna was on there. So we, we went through the effort to look it up, but just to make sure. So um, for those who don't know what Senna is, let's just cover what is Senna? Um, we're really a technology company and our CEO, he used to do really like crazy motherboards, like really computer tech stuff. And then he was in that company for about 10 years and he rides. So he thought there was a gap in the market and he knew his Bluetooth technology could connect people out on the road. So. 2010 came out with the first product and basically ever since then we've just been trying to connect people and it really changes the way you ride if you can talk to a person and then we've kind of just gone off of that and cameras, communication, we really have a solution for every rider and yeah, that's it in a nutshell. It used to be that comms were about being able to communicate most often with your passenger Mm -hmm. and then it got to a point where that got better and you could communicate with another rider but they're doing more than that. And in this day and age where I still know a lot of people who don't even have their smartphone mounted on their handlebars, mm-hmm. we're now getting so interactive with a smartphone and Senna's there to work with it. So um, you've got different models. Let's just start with like a, a basic model. What does it do for somebody? Um, we'll go with like the 20S Evo, for example, and it lets you connect with riders you can connect two people up to eight people so you can connect and that's bluetooth intercom and then you're just chatting freely over the intercom but it also connects with your phone so you can listen to music gps anything like that anything that comes through your phone you can hear you can take a call if you need to on the road some people don't want to but it's there if you need to and yeah that's 
One thing I like about my Senna is that it has a radio, built-in radio. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they I'm all like, have ah. built-in FM radio, so and you can yes. preset station. So if you don't want to hassle with pairing up your phone, you just tap that FM radio and you're good to go. Right, so just for that, mm -hmm. even if you have no one to talk to, yeah. just being able to listen to music is really nice. So um, let's cover kind of, there's different models and maybe the differences between them. Yeah, we have a lot of products, so okay. there's definitely kind of something for everyone, but 20S, like I just said, that's kind of just our basic Bluetooth model. We have a camera version, so 10C Pro is going to be available here. I have a 10C. A month or so. Yeah, 10C was one of our most popular models, so 10C Pro is just about here, and it's updated camera specs, and then you can also preview your shot on your phone, so you can kind of mess with the angle and make sure because a lot of people would say oh i just went on this like fabulous ride but my camera angle it was too low or whatever so now you can adjust it and you can also download your footage instantly onto your phone okay wait so you can have your phone mounted on your handlebars mm -hmm. and you could see what the camera's seen yeah Oh, that's so, a game changer. It's a game changer for sure. And I mean, whether you want it on like that while you're riding or it's just kind of while you're gearing up and getting ready and adjusting your camera and everything, getting your helmet on. So it's kind of whatever you want. And then after the ride, you can download it straight to your phone and then send it, post it, whatever you want to do. So I can tell you why I got the 10C. A couple of reasons. First of all, a um, friend of mine, uh, Danielle Lynn, who uses uh, Senna, mm -hmm. and uh, we were on a, a trip in Pakistan, uh -huh. and she did an article and posted a picture in a magazine taken with that camera, and I yeah. went, I, I, I was riding next to her when she took that picture, I had no idea it could do that quality. We were riding, and the picture is a man on a horse running past us, uh -huh. and the quality was good enough to print in a magazine. Yeah. So I was like, wow, I, okay, I'm impressed with that. But then second, I was looking at getting a Bluetooth for my helmet and then also a camera like a GoPro. And when you add up the cost of the two, yeah. it way outweighs the cost of one unit that does it both. Mm -hmm. This is a little easier to get your foot in the door with the camera. It's not the full GoPro setup and it's all in one. So it's one thing hanging off your helmet instead of two. And it's really user-friendly once you get the hang of the buttons. There is a bit of a learning curve with all of our products, the button sequences and everything. But once you got it, it's like second nature, but yeah, it's easy when it's all in one thing. So Tenzi Pro, we're really excited about it. So what are some of the other models that you have and what are the features that they have? So switching gears, there's the 30K. So what's different about the 30K is it's mesh intercom and that's kind of new as of last year. And what does that mean? Mesh intercom, it's a little bit different than Bluetooth. So the 30K has mesh and Bluetooth. So. I'm going to tell you about Mesh, but you can still connect with your Bluetooth friends if they have a 20S, any other Bluetooth. So Mesh, it's just a lot more dynamic than Bluetooth. And say you have a group of riders together, if one person falls out of range, Bluetooth would typically break off the rest of your range because of the way Bluetooth forms, it's a daisy chain. Mm -hmm. But Mesh, your group stays together even if the one person goes out of range. And then when they come back in range, they're just accepted back into the group. So it plays a lot more nicely together than Bluetooth does because there's a lot of limitations of traditional Bluetooth. So mesh is, it's just a lot more dynamic and easier to form a group. You can tap one button, you're in mesh intercom mode, and everyone in range is connected. So it's pretty exciting and it's, the 30K is really easy to use. So. so what would you say for people who have not yet gotten into Bluetooth, mm -hmm. what would you say are the big pitches of why they should have it? 
Even if you're riding with a passenger, it's just kind of like sharing the experience of the ride. If you want to point something out, oh, look at that on the side of the road. And it's just once you have ridden like that, going back to it's a, then you get done with your two hour ride. And you're like, did you see this? Did you remember this? It's it's not instant. So when you have the communication and even whether even if it's not your passenger, it's someone riding a bit behind you and you can kind of just share the experience and you don't have to be talking the whole time. You can tap into intercom, listen to your tunes. So. It kind of just changes the way you ride and all I can say is you really have to experience it to kind of see the difference but everyone we've talked to it's once they've done it they don't want to go back so I can tell you what's been really helpful for uh, me and my friends when we ride is oftentimes I'm leading and I'm following the GPS and I'm telling them ahead of time mm -hmm. hey heads up in a mile we're gonna be exiting here and just being able to give people instructions it's been, I, I think, really helpful. Oh, yeah. Um, so and one thing a lot of people may not know, do you have to have another Senna to communicate? Well, ours are, they play well with others to an extent. So they are going to work best when you're connecting all Senna's, but we do have universal intercom, so it will let you connect with, they're all kind of different, but most of the time it's one unit that's a different brand. So if you do have a friend that has another brand, you can still connect with them for the most part. So there's a lot of different ways and we have 5 million products. So there's a lot of different ways you can pair people up. And But yeah, I will connect if one of your buddies has a different brand of comm device. So here I'm gonna give you a whammy question now. Okay, should I be scared? Well, <laughs> so we know that um, like we are talking about, you can get the, the 10C and it's got the radio, all the communications and a camera. What else might we see being added in the future that we haven't even thought we needed? We are, I mean, like I said, our CEO, he's an innovator and he's not stopping at just Bluetooth. So there's definitely been a lot of exciting conversations happening. I mean, just in the way you, the audio is transmitted to your ear, we might do a little bit of bone conduction, which is way different than what we're doing. It's just traditional speakers. And there's been talk of like heads up display. So we have full face helmets. So just kind of having a little number in the side of your eye, just kind of telling you how fast you're going or GPS directions or anything like that. So it's kind of interesting to see where things are going with technology, but yeah, we're not stopping where we're at, but could go a lot of directions with what's next. You know, I find it interesting. I mean, we are getting more connected and having the smart technology. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm, I, I, I urge people to get it. I know like uh, my friend Jim, he didn't want it. He said, mm -hmm. I don't want your voice in my head. I just want to ride and have fun. Yeah. And, but now we find it so helpful to be able to communicate information yeah. when we're riding. Mm -hmm. Just, hey, I need to get gas. Exactly, it makes things more streamlined and just that open line of communication, it saves time and just makes your ride a little bit more effortless, so yeah. yeah. Cool, well thank you for your time. Um, how do people, find out more about Senna? Um, you can check out our social channels. We're on Facebook, Instagram, or just our website, www.senna.com. And S-E-N-A. S-E-N-A, yes, Senna. Cool, well, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. to uh, check out the new Senna stuff. That, That's cool. The the one thing that bothers me about my 10C is that um, you're, you're taking video or, or 
pictures, just like with the early GoPros, and you have no idea how it's aimed. Mm. So I love the fact that the new 10C Brutus. is on your camera. That is cool. And I like yeah. the fact that they're getting into helmets too. Can you can you mm-hmm, face mm-hmm. that that unit backwards so you have a backwards facing cam and you can just use your phone as a rear view mirror instead? That's brilliant, dude. Yeah. Take really an old you, ass did iPhone? you just come up with that? Yeah, well you just take an old ass iPhone and replace one of your mirrors with a fucking thing and <laughs> have a line running to it or some dumb shit like that. So um, there was also a lot of our friends there. People have been on the show before. And so I went over and I wanted to talk to our friend Kat from Laod Escapes. Mm. Remember him, the big Viking? Well, he, he was had, in full regalia. He's hard he to forget. Yeah, he regalia. is hard to forget. And uh, he was there pitching his Laod Escapes. He's got some pretty cool trips coming up. But he also had been in a kind of a bad accident, broken bone, mm. uh, on the track uh, this year. And so that kind of waylaid him for a bit. So he um, took the time to fill us in on recovering from the accident and then what amazing trips he has coming up, including a new all-new location. Ooh, I'll say he's had a much more interesting year than any of us have. I think so. He does cool trips, man. Exactly. Motorcycle tour guide is a pretty bitchin' uh, money-making thing, man. Bucket list trips. And here he is right now. Hey there, everyone. Uh, this is Eliza, and I am over here at Layout Escapes with our good friend, Kat McLeod. Yeah, McLeod. I'm just so hard. <laughs> I know. Every it's time. a Scottish thing. I know. And, sir, you look dashing <laughs> in your skirt. Yeah, wearing the kilt today. <laughs> yes, you wearing are. The kilt today. Making an impact on the people as you go yes, by. Yes, yes. People, the question I always get asked is, you know, are you wearing underneath anything underneath the, the kilt? And the, the answer is, um, you go regimental. That's what's called wearing underneath the kilt. Ah. You go regimental when you're drinking. When you're not drinking, um, you, you kind of want to wear something underneath because uh, certain bits of the anatomy tend to chafe against high-quality wool. But if you're drinking, it doesn't matter. I think we've entered the too much information. Here. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been busy this yes. year since we last talked to you. Lots has happened, uh-huh. including bones being broken. Yes. <laughs> so tell us what's been going on. Um, well, I guess from the bones being broken issues, I was out on my second lap uh, at a track day with uh, Z2, having a great day. Uh, it was my second day out with Z2, and uh, I was in A group uh, on my SV650, and I got punched, hit from behind. Uh, not so hit from behind like the rear quarter. The first thing I knew something was happening in turn eight as I dove in and I just hear this crunch and my rear fiberglass is all, and my rear subframe got hit. And the problem when you as a motorcyclist get hit, uh, it sends you and the motorcycle off in the exact same trajectory, which means as you you know go flying off, the bike follows you and proceeds to hit you. Uh, so a- after the third time I got hit, uh, you could literally, I'm in the helmet, I'm like, oh, come on! <laughs> I'm like, seriously, you get hit that much? And, yeah, and uh, I, my collarbone got broken in three places. My right shoulder got dislocated, uh, and I got the nifty helicopter ride. Um, and then the hospital in Chico wasn't particularly good about what they were going to do. They wanted to send me home, and I couldn't even walk. These guys were kind of confused from a leadership standpoint. So I literally like 
left the hospital, had a nurse friend of mine transport me to another hospital, and we, we gate crashed John Muir uh, Hospital and said, hi, um, we need somebody to, to uh, put this collarbone back together. And luckily, wow. uh, I got a great surgeon, awesome surgeon. The guy's a track guy. He's like, wow, you turn eight? Wow, that's a pretty fast turn. I'm like, what? I said, yeah, I drive my Porsche there all the time. <laughs> and he said, we love you motorcyclists. You keep us busy. Uh, <laughs> and he said, tell you what, uh, since we kind of know that you're a motorcyclist, chances are you may end up doing this again. So we're going to put stainless steel in instead of titanium because yeah, the titanium may, you know, it will be brittle. Uh, oh, wow. So the, the stainless steel will, will flex a little bit under another impact. So that was fun. Uh, so two weeks in the hospital and uh, feeling pretty weak still in my upper body, but I still had to go do the job. And uh, I went and did the Germany tour uh, without riding. And then I went and did the Spain tour and I rode and I rode at Aragon and you know, I'm, I got the job done. So back on uh, I'm, the track. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm recovering. Of, of course, I'm getting back on the bike. And the most touching thing, uh, really, that just had me bawling like a little boy in the hospital uh, was that uh, my friends from the track went and bought me a bike. That's they awesome. They knew that my bike was just trashed, and they found a good deal on a used GSXR up in Sacramento, and they went and they all picked it up. And I just get this news: we bought you a bike. Here's your new baby. Wow. Yeah, that's that's track family. That's your motorcycling community. Exactly. This is half the reason why we we love our two wheeled brethren. Is uh, you know we look out for each other, just like just like Recycle Garage, which you guys do there is awesome. So, you've had some uh, pretty good tours going on. Yes, uh, the Spain tour. Uh, mm -hmm. This was the first iteration of the Spain tour, yes. and it ran beautifully. I had scouted uh, a fair amount of it before, but this was the first time that the tour ran officially, and. It had everything uh, I expected, and my clients had a wonderful time. And we had, we only had two new clients. Everyone else was repeat business from people who'd done tours before and wanted to come back specifically to do Spain. Uh, and probably the best thing I can say about riding Spain and the Pyrenees is what you don't notice because you're having so much fun: a complete absence of traffic. Yes. There's just nobody out there. Curve, 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 curve. Run it. Throttle up having a great time, you don't notice that there's no traffic. That's amazing. So much fun. Uh, and the track time on Aragon with Troy Corser went really well. And the real surprising thing about that is I've been to a lot of track schools, had a lot of great instructors. I've learned a ton from Keith Code. I've learned a lot from Nick Einach and Ken Hill. So I thought, oh, okay, what's what, what more could, could could a two-time world superbike champion teach me? Uh, and he has a completely different style of riding, and some of which uh, makes logical sense, particularly on foot positioning and body positioning and, uh, and trail braking and using the rear. He downshifts like crazy into turns, like bouncing the, bouncing the bike off the lever limiter under deceleration. That's with traction control? Yeah. Yeah, and some of the people are in the uh, were concerned. It was like, geez, you know, this is a brand new S1000RR that we're riding here on the track. You want us to, to, to bang it like that? And uh, Maudi, uh, who runs the program, said, go ahead, try to break it. <laughs> it, was, it was great mm -hmm. fun. We had Misty Hurst uh, on the tour oh, with us. Really? Uh, California Superbike School instructor, always yeah. my personal coach uh, when I'm there. And she did a two-up with Troy Corser. So I'm out on, I'm going through turn 12, uh, at Aragon was a very fast, long sweeping left, and Troy Corsair and Missy just go blowing by me. <laughs> and I am laughing in my helmet as I'm trying to break uh, for the sharp, uh, sharp left hander uh, just before the wall. 
I'm still laughing because I know Misty's on the back and just freaking out. <laughs> I had a similar incident when I was doing my first track day and you think you're going fast. Like yeah. you think you're going fast. And then a guy on a touring bike passed me yeah. on the outside of a corner and you're like, okay, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can always do more. Food was great. Uh, we slept in a lot of castles and 14th century palaces, and uh, people had a wonderful time. Ate in a place in Elkinith where there were pictures all over the wall of MotoGP riders. Like this is where they come to eat when they're there. So it's like the, the bar, the the barmaid was very proud of all of her photos that she'd had with like Rossi, Vinales, Marquez, Lorenzo, Davizioso. It was. So, is this your new favorite tour? No, I, I can never. My favorite tour is still Zoxenring in the Italian Alps, mainly because of just the, the stunning views of the Dolomites. But boy, Spain sure did deliver on incredible curves. And Misty had also been on the Zoxenring tour. She said, I don't think you can beat uh, how much fun we had on the Zoxenring tour. And, just, yeah, and you, you did it. It was, it, I had just as much fun, but in a completely different way, because the destination always affects the flavor of the tour. So what tours do you have coming up if somebody wants to look into this? Um, the 2019 season, we're already taking bookings for it, and mm -hmm. it's surprising how many bookings we've taken so early. Uh, what's hot right now is, it's almost always hot, is Italy. Yeah. Everyone wants to go to Italy for the first time. Uh, oftentimes, that's our first, like this last year, we had a complete tour group of like, you know, 12 people, they were all new. And they'll come back with us again, but it's often people's first tour. So the MotoGP tour uh, that will happen in Italy and the tour with track time on Mugello uh, will happen in May and June. Uh, Zoxenring, uh, I'm searching for dates and rental bikes for Zoxenring for the track bikes. Obviously, I always want good track bikes, but the real restriction lately with Zoxenring has been sound limitations. Mm. And so finding good quality track bikes uh, that don't have that can, that can meet the sound. We also discovered uh, on the last Zoxenring Alps tour, we used some uh, some CBR 1000s, and the real issue we discovered with the CBR 1000s for a track bike uh, is that the the brakes overheat way too early. Oh. The the levers were just creeping back uh, after a, really? a a good solid expert rider couldn't get more than four laps. Uh, before the brakes would just, you know, That's the levers just creeping way back. I'm like, come on, Honda, you guys know the drill. You should, the, the thing needs a bigger brake reservoir. It just needs more fluid. But I'm not a braking expert, but still something something needed to be fixed there. So if you're thinking about running a CBR 1000, a new 2018 model of the track, you might want to think about getting a, a different brake reservoir. So do you know who's going to be on the track with you uh, in Italy yet? That's always a big surprise uh, because we never know who's to, who, who Ducati is going to bring out for us to play with. Uh, this last year was uh, Marco Melandri and <laughs> Michele Piro. It was crazy. I'm like in the bathroom and, <laughs> and I open the door. Who's waiting for the bathroom? It's, it's Marco Melandri. It's like, <laughs> it's goofy. But I mean, that's, that's at the track. When you're at the track, everyone is just, you know, it's just your fellow rider. Just some of them are just a hell of a lot faster than you. Uh, awesome. It's always a surprise who Ducati brings out for us. The Melandri last, this last year was uh, was a big surprise. And final chance now, give us your best plugs. How do people find out more about the tour? Uh, we're at leodescapes.com, L-E-O-D, escapes.com. Uh, you want to be a good intermediate level uh, track rider to do the track and tour, but anybody with decent, decent sport touring experience can do the tour and race where we have reserved seating at Mugello. And this is, this is a bucket list trip. 
you know, the funny thing is everyone says, oh, a once in a lifetime trip, you know, bucket list, and then I'll see him again next year or the <laughs> year after. Again. It's like, yeah, year of a, you know, trip of a lifetime, but it, it turns into a habit. Awesome. Well, thanks for your time. I'm glad to see you here. Oh, it's good. Always good to see you. All right. So um, another cool thing, besides all the, the friends that we were running into there, we were running into some listeners, and that was such a treat, too. Yeah. That, that's almost the best. It really is. Such we were hard to miss in those dope shirts that Liza made us wear. <laughs> oh, we're real kind of iffy about them the first day because like we just want to look around. But uh, we wore them the whole fucking weekend. Here's the thing. It was great. I, you know, I wanted to have a little more of a professional image. Yeah. Um, yeah good and luck also with that. a little bit of exposure. <laughs> so instead of wearing our ratty t shirts or sweatshirts, I made up She's some, looking at you, Knock. Some, uh, <laughs> I made up some shop shirts that are red cap shop shirts with our big logo on the back and mm -hmm. our small logo on the front. And yeah, Jim and Knock were like, eh, I don't want to wear it. Can we just wear it like one day or, you know. Well, I felt like we were like a bowling team. I, I know, I know. It <laughs> Something seems like, like, like that. We, we were coming out of a yeah. scene in Greece. It seems a little bit goofy. But then Breaking you get there and you walk in and it's a sea of matching shirts. Like, yeah. It yeah. was like everybody had their teams and all of their matching shirts. So yeah. we fit in better. Then you if like we were just wearing so, t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody was looking their part, man. I mean, they got they got product to sell and they got, you know, materials to represent. So, exactly. That's cool. So let's go back to uh, the listeners that we ran into. Yes. And we ran into Dan Dyer and his wife, hey. Amy, who was so excited to see us. <laughs> they, were, they were just a treat. They, Shout out to you guys. They, you guys uh, were awesome. They saw, spotted me first, called me out, and I'm like, hey, nice to meet you. Yeah. And I knew that Jim wasn't far behind. He was about to come in the building. So I said, he, uh -huh. I said oh, I've got more misfits here with me. And they're like, who's here with you? I said, well, <laughs> I said let's, let's see if you can tell who it is by his voice. And I see Jim, and as so I shout across, hey, idiot, get over here. And so he turns and comes. I have him well-trained. And comes over, and as he's walking over, Amy looks over and she sees him and she lights up. She goes, I know who that is. It's Naked Jim. Well, I did walk in naked. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, that's why I thought they may not recognize you fully clothed. Right. So we got to chat with them for a while. And, um, of course, we got to ask them the question. The mm. question. And they were, well, they were prepared. Yes. And they had the KY handy. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they were great. It was so much fun meeting them. Can you introduce yourself, please? I'm Dan Dyer from Pendleton, Oregon. And Amy Dyer from Pendleton, Oregon. What is your up-the-butt bike? It'd probably be that Indian Roadmaster over there. Oh! Yeah, that's butt-worthy. I'm looking for a replacement for our 2004 Goldwing that's got 110,000 miles on it. Well, the new gold wings are pretty nice too. She doesn't like the back seat as much as she likes the one on that on that one. What? That's yeah. important. Yeah. Yes. And that's her bike. So it's yeah, my bike. it's her bike. So you got to hear the story. So I took her on a 2,200 mile trip with her parents on the back of the Tenray. 
I'd made the mistake of letting her get on the back for Dad's Goldwing. We came home, and she says, would you buy a Goldwing for, for two up excursions? I said, I guess. Well, yeah, whatever. She calls me up one day at work and says, hey, can you take Thursday or Friday off? I said, I can. Why? She's like, well, we have to go to Portland and pick up your new Goldwing. <laughs> she had found she found a used Goldwing at a Ducati dealership of all places. You know, that's the wife everyone wishes they had. I know. I was like, <laughs> uh, I mean, you and, she, and she was more excited to come here than I was. <laughs> she was. She really was. So. Well, thank you. That is a very butt-worthy bike. Butt we sent you a whole bunch of stuff too through Cat a while back. When we see you see some of your old boots and I had a whole bunch Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah thank you. Yeah. Yes. It I want good use for sure. Want, well, yeah, you know and I and that's the thing is I, I go through a lot of stuff that I I replace cuz I put a lot of miles on or I try it and I don't like it but I just hate to see people running around without anything. I love it when you're giving who was the gal on your show you're giving brief to about the helmet? Z. Oh, oh god, yeah. And I'm just going, I'm just cringing. Because I just um, had a friend barrel roll his Goldwing. Came, Are you listening, Z? <laughs> came yeah. out unscathed. Look at the bike. Wow, Ooh. yeah. That's yeah. So. Cool. So oh. wear your helmets. Yes. So, all right, we're, we're out of here. It was nice to meet you. Yeah, thanks. One nice meeting you. One of these I'm going to come down and sit in on the podcast. <laughs> you do that. All right. All right, see all right have fun. So not not only did you test ride bikes outside, mm -hmm. but you got to sit on some bikes inside too. I did. What did I sit on? I'm trying to remember. Uh, one of the bikes we're very excited about. Yes, at, oh, over yes. at Honda. Uh huh. The CRF450L. Yeah, cool looking bike. Excited about it coming out. Not so stoked about the price, but. First year run, I it's to be expected. Hopefully, it'll be popular and, and it'll stay in the line for a long time, and well, maybe a used one will be cheaper. It was very popular when it came out. Yeah, everybody's talking about it. Yeah, I think they did an announce. They did an announcement of that bike, but I don't think we were there for it at the booth. So, well, you gave a little uh, description of it, mm -hmm. so let's hear that now. Knock, what did you find here? Hi, this is the CR450L. This is the road-going version of the, I guess, Enduro CRF450X. Street legal, and meets emissions and all that business. It's got these really giant <laughs> turn signals that are apparently... Oh, oh they're flexible. Yeah, you turn them 90 degrees. Um, one thing I found curious was that they filled the swing arm with uh, foam, so it reduces vibrations and stuff. So it's like you click on, and it's and it's kind of dead. It doesn't vibrate very much. They've uh, also engine cases and the covers are plastic to help muffle some of that. Had a six gear on this thing too, apparently. So it's road going. Um, starting at 10 10k. You like this one? I like this one. I I'm. Excited to see maybe one day they'll start making factory super motards from this platform because that would be sweet. Well, well, we've got a lot to see here at the Honda booth. Lots of cool stuff. The 
the uh, 250 Rally is a pretty cool bike. Oh, we got the monkey bike. Lots to see. Let's go check it out. So it was really cool to see some of those new bikes. Like that 450, I know a lot of us have been talking about. Mm -hmm. There was there was so much to see, so much to do, so many people to talk about. And that's why this is going to be a two-part episode. Double banger. Double dump. <laughs> Double dumper. Uh, so much more to talk about. Um, I mean, we were there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, left Sunday morning. Yeah, we made decent time leaving back. I never got in a pool. That kind of pisses me off. I, Mandalay <laughs> Bay has a bitch and pool scene. I would like to say that... That place's acre is huge, man. It was big. I, I would like to, to gloat a little bit mm -hmm. that I had what, as Jim calls, the shine. It is the shine. Liza was walking with the shine. Dude. That, that I could not lose. Fucking dude. I dude. could not lose. Dude. Not can lose. Dude, I couldn't. <laughs> I can lose by myself or with Jim, but when we were, when you shoved me in front of that, one of those machines, I was up at least $35. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Big roller. Yeah. Yeah, so um, we were going out to dinner. <clears throat> And they they were taking too long to get ready. They were primping. Well, we have to preface it. The night before we hit the buffet. Yeah. And I'm sorry. If I'm going to pay 38 bucks for a buffet, I'm uh, going to get my money's worth, son. We were waiting for that the, the epic shit to happen. So we were like, you know, just exercised. We were. So we gorged the night before. Yeah. So like, so the next night where Liza's referring to, I was like, I think I'll just have a Caesar salad. <laughs> and Nock's anyway. like, can we not go somewhere expensive? <laughs> Yeah, sure. So I said, well, I'm going to go downstairs and I like to play the slots. And they were taking too long. Yeah. So I'm like, I'll just go to like the first machine next to the elevators. Mm -hmm. And I'm down there and uh, I'm just playing and I'm playing. And suddenly, whoa, oh, there's a whole lot of bells going off. <laughs> Wait, like, what machine was this again? It was the Monopoly. It was Monopoly, Monopoly. yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm like, what? what? What's happening? What's happening? Oh, I kind of won something. Oh, I won something kind of big. I think it was the first the first one. I think it was about $1,200 I won on that one. The, yeah. text, the text was jackpot. I hit, oh, I, I text him, hey, get down here. I hit the jackpot. And uh, and we're all like, fuck, no, you did not. Did. Yeah, I was like, so yeah, bullshit. They're you still know? not down there. So I just started, well, I'm just going to keep playing. I keep playing. And then I hit another like 300 bucks. Yeah. I'm like, I, I just went again. This was like seven Get minutes, within seven minutes of leaving the room. Yeah. I mean, that's like yeah. a three-minute three, three minute elevator ride. I know. And then like, and then I hit again for another like 300. I, I was up to like $1,800. I'm like, you guys, this is ridiculous. Get down here now. <laughs> oh, after the third text, I'm putting my socks on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't believe you because I didn't see any pictures. Eventually, the picture came where it's all like eighteen hundred dollars. I know you I know? won eighteen hundred dollars just waiting for you guys to come yeah. down to go to dinner. Was it like a nickel slot that you did it on? Or was no, it a quarter slot. Was a quarter slot? Shit, quarter slot. How much yeah. money did you put in there? Like five bucks? No, you put in like I don't know forty maybe. Yeah. Oh shit. That's what you got to learn how to gamble. Yeah, yeah I know. that's still pretty bitching, man. Yeah, like in ten minutes, next thing you know, Liza's up eighteen hundred bucks. I looked at Naka, said, "Son, I'm hungry all of a sudden." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, yeah. What was the first thing we said? I guess dinner's on you tonight, huh? Yeah. Then I realized I now had the power. 
And I was going to take my time, yeah, walk my, around, like look Scarface. at the menu. First you get the money, each restaurant. then you get the power. And each restaurant we went to, I was looking at the price of the filet mignon. Yeah. Each restaurant, the price was going up higher and higher. We got to the final restaurant, <laughs> and I saw on their menu something called a shellfish tower. And I went, oh, yeah. this, this is it. Done. Yeah. Done. That was, this yep. is it. Yep. It could be shellfish or tower. Either one, we're going. Uh, the only other word I like better is a shellfish bucket. Or yeah. bowl, yeah. That you, every, any shellfish that comes in a bucket is winning. <laughs> or maybe a stick. Trough or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we went into the steakhouse. It's called a strip steak. Strip steak. Yeah. And I, I think this is when it started dawning on you guys. I'm like, whatever you want. Yeah. Whatever you want. I remember saying like... You know, so what? I'll spend three hundred bucks on a nice dinner. I'll still have fifteen hundred bucks. We're all good. Yeah. Um, Little did you know, three hundred bucks. I underestimated. <laughs> three hundred bucks was your bar tab. I underestimated your drinking prowess. And it wasn't. It was our drinking. It was the fucking caviar that you got. Celebration. Yeah, it was the Jesus caviar. Christ. It was the shellfish. The it tower. Was the wagyu steaks. I would have been happy with a nice ribeye and a drink. But then you're like, oh, let's let's see how high this tower of fucking sea bugs get. You but know what I mean? we ate almost everything, but we invited the Nokomoto guys down to clean our plates. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and that was an $800 dinner. It was bitching. So, yeah, thank you, Liza. So it got to yeah. the point where yeah. I started looking at the menu and there's steaks I've never. Our steak had like a letter and a number. It was like ragu or wagyu, whatever. Wagyu, wagyu, wagyu yeah. Wagyu A5. Wagyu. It's like, like a Kobe. Oh, I got shit, the simple ribeye, apparently. It wasn't so simple. It was fucking huge. It looked balls. It was, it was the coolest looking steak, steak I'd yeah. ever seen. It was the largest steak there, but it was like the least expensive out of all the steaks. Yeah, but Liza was a good sport because yeah. we kind of forced ourselves. We're like, okay, you just won a bunch of dough. Let's go eat. Yeah. <laughs> I actually I, I felt guilty at one point when I looked at how much our steaks were going to cost. And I said, Liza, we don't have to do it. And Liza, with a, a grin, said, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> when, when else are you going to? And then this the, is and the time. After I saw you secretly whispering to our server yeah. i said uh-oh it's on yeah, yeah i was like here we go so um we had a great great dinner and then um just to wrap up the evening we went and met up with a bunch of the other podcasters so we had um bruce from uh this motorcycle life and we had mm-hmm. swiggy moto gp from no no komodo mm-hmm. and then we went to meet up with um wes from uh this is chasing the horizon mm-hmm. and also the wheel nerds and the cafe racer podcast mm-hmm. to do a round table. So I think this is a, a great place to go out on this um, because now I'm going to say, go on over to cafe racer podcast and you can hear the shit show we recorded. <laughs> it was actually, <laughs> Did they actually <laughs> fucking publish that shit. Yep. It was recorded in a tin can. With like one mic high gain and but, a lot of beer, but really cool to beer. get really cool to get together with all these other podcasters yeah, and, and I enjoyed it very have much. all those personalities together. What it was a, what fun. A, what a great evening! So um, on this note, we're gonna wrap up this part of the episode, and uh, if you want to, you can go over now to find episode two, part B for AIM Expo. We got lots more interviews, lots more um, past guests that we ran into. 17 Black, let it ride. (laughs) Yeah, Vegas can't fit on one episode. And there might have been more winning at gambling. I got a a scab on my head. I don't know where it came from. (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) So also just want to remind you, go to MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com. You'll find the links to all of our things there, Facebook, YouTube, all that. And uh, thank you to our Patreon subscribers, because if it wasn't for you, I don't think we would have been going, because we used the Patreon money to buy some new equipment and a paper hotel. So... Thank you, Patreon subscribers. This is what you're helping us do. Do bigger and better things. So on that note, thanks for listening to Part A of AIM Expo. This is Liza. This is Doc. Make it chill. And we're out. Go, go. Cool.